0: Well, we're ready to start a new series. How many are ready to eat? It's called Let's Eat, and I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 24, and if you don't have a Bible, it's up on the screens, Joshua 24, it's called Let's Eat, and uh, this first message today is setting the table. I am going to be talking today, I'm going to be talking over the next several weeks about family, relationships within families. I think what's the problem is, is we have a very dysfunctional picture of the family. Very dysfunctional. In, in fact, if you show God's functional family, many people resent it and are offended by it. But what we have is like, you know, it's kind of like if uh, you had a car and you had the only car that was in the world, or let's say in the United States, you're the one that had that car. It was a fancy car. Great car. And all of a sudden, you're driving the car and it gets rear-ended. But instead, you have no one here because no one's ever seen your car before it got rear-ended. But now, all of a sudden, you take that car to a body repair shop, any dealership. And they say, we've never seen one of these before. Well, I, I'm sorry. I need somebody to fix it. Well, because they haven't fixed it all, they've seen all of these other models, but they've never seen your model before. So you come back 60 days later because they can't figure this thing out and your brand new sports car has got a Ford pickup bed truck in the back now. You got a Hyundai front end. You got Tesla suicide doors on the side. And you're walking out and said, what in the world have you done? Well, we've never seen one because we've never created one. So we're gonna build it the way we've seen it. And everybody's laughing at you shaking their heads and says, I don't want your marriage. Excuse me, I don't want your, I mean, I don't want your car because it just looks so messed up and jacked up, I don't want it. That is the dorkiest looking thing I've seen. And what is happening to marriages and people's personal lives is you get rear-ended by the world and sin, you get a front-end collusion from the world and the sin, you get T-boned by the world and the sin, and all of a sudden we're sending it to people to repair it that don't have a clue about your sexuality, don't have a clue about your identity, don't have a clue about the Word of God, and say, I'm coming to talk to you to fix my problem, and when you walk out, you walk walk out all jacked up because you have never gone to the one who created it, who made it, that can bring it out of the shop, saying, now look, everybody wants one of these. So on the outset, before you check out and say, That offends me from the Word of God. Can I really tell you that when you walk out, it's going to be something everybody wants? Everybody wants. So don't just come to the repair shop today. Follow us over the next several weeks. We're going to be talking about things, husbands, wives. We're going to talk about blended families. We're going to talk about all of it. So how many believe God's Word is what will really make us whole and repair us if we'll go to the one who created the original model. So let's go on a journey together, okay? So I want you to go to Joshua chapter 24. And this is going to be the first message. We're going to talk about setting the table. Just setting the table for a moment of something that's very important on the outset. You know, everybody wants to fix this nation. But really, just fix you. I'm so tired of pointing out everybody else's problems and sin, and then you get this mess. They're going to get this act together, and if they'd be more like me, I decided I got enough hassles myself. I'm going to try to lead Sam Rifekko, and I think everything will start working out if I just take care of Sam Rifekko and lead me. So, you know, if you want to talk about a nation for a moment. I want you to go to Joshua 24 because it's really, really, really important because Joshua's at the end of his life. He's a great leader, a great warrior, a great commander-in-chief. Uh, he's leading his nation, and he's brought them successfully with something Moses was had the inability to do to get them into the promised land, and now they're in the promised land. They're all living in this prosperity, this greatness, and now he doesn't speak to them as a president of a nation, if you will. He doesn't speak to them as a commander-in-chief. He does not speak to them as a great warrior, he speaks to them from the heart of just being a dad. And he says, if you want to live in this blessing, if you want it to perpetuate, if you want it to keep going, let me tell you the secret of it before you start saying, everybody else, let me show you the secret. Now, here he's, at the, he's coming to the end of his life, so how many know when you're at the end of your life, you say really important stuff? So look at Joshua 24, 14. We'll start there. He says, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river and the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, he said, "You see where that got you. You see where that got you. You want to go back to that? And they kept saying, we want to go back to that." And now they're living in a land full of milk honey, but look what this dad says. Look what this man who's trying to lead himself before he leads anybody else, look what he says. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Those are powerful, powerful, powerful words. Single individuals, moms and dads, husbands, wives. Would you join me, those of you online, right there in your house, maybe that's, a, maybe that, those words that are, you know, we talk about speech therapy, words are powerful. Why don't we just all say this out loud right now? Come on, let's say it together, ready, That last line, what, what Joshua said, ready, here we go. But as for me and we, can we give God praise, this is what we're gonna do, we are gonna serve the Lord. And so now what we're doing today is we're going to set the table. We're going to set the table. And, and, and I know sometimes when you get into family stuff and you talk about this, I know sometimes singles, I know what I did. I just checked out. You know, when I was single, I just checked out. I didn't want to hear it. Can I tell you that this is probably the most important teaching that I will ever give you? And don't check out on this. Because I don't know about you, but you just don't eat the meal, and you know, you just somebody has to prepare it. So, really, what you're doing, you're putting ingredients to the side, you're getting the instruction book out, you're getting the cookbook out, and you want something that will not be a burnt offering and everybody rejects it. So, if I could just say this to you as you're going through this journey, because this is very important, I can save you money, time, aggravation, anger. Heartbreak if you will listen and start getting this, the ingredients prepared and the instruction book out before you start cooking a marriage. We can really help you. Now, those that are married need to say amen to really help you out here. Really, it can save you a lot of time. I can save you a lot of time. And so, what really needs happening to you when you're doing this? So, I want to just say this from the outset before we get into the series because I'll be dealing with a lot of this and this people want to check out. Or, or, or you're wanting to get remarried. Let's listen closely to this for a second. What happens is, is we spend so much of our time looking for the right one that we never become the right one. So, really, if you really want a great marriage, quit looking for the right one. And become the right one and I promise you you'll be able to discern who is the right one I just skip over here I just come this way now seriously really work on this because if you're single in this room or you want to get remarried really dive into the ingredients in the instruction book And you can have a house that serves God. I really do believe this. I really believe what what Joshua said through the Holy Spirit. That if we we could really get our house in order, I promise you the nation will get in order. The way I'm trying to fix the nation is to work on Sam and lead himself. That's really what I'm trying to do. Because if I can get my house in order, then the nation will become in order. Could you imagine if all of us really decided to do what Joshua said? Could you imagine what would happen to this country if we really did what Joshua said? Could you imagine? Crime rate would drop, jails would empty, churches would be filled, marriages would get restored. Come on, how many of you believe it starts with us saying, God, do something to me? So as I'm setting this table, Joshua says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But before you can talk about me and my house, man, I got to talk about you and your spouse. Because you can't fix the house if you're not fixing you and your spouse. And before we want to talk about my spouse needs this, even Joshua got it. Before I talk about my spouse, I got to tell me it's first me. Lord, work on me. Make me the right one instead of trying to make someone become the right one. Make me the right one. Deal with me, God. And look what he says. Here, here's, can I just give you this if you really want to find something simple? You say, I, I, want to for, I want to forget everything else, but I want to remember this. Remember this. Look what he says. He says, it starts out with me personally learning to fear the Lord. To fear, that doesn't mean you're scared of him. It means you actually, the word fear means reverence. It means to uh, be, have an awe, a sense of awe, a sense of honor. Not familiarity with God, where well, you brush off his conviction, you brush off his encouragement, you brush off his plans, you have a sense of reverence and awe, a respect of who God is in every detail of your life, every decision of your life. Joshua saying, I bring that into my life personally all the time. And then he says to serve. And to, really what that word to serve means is means to obey God, to worship God. It, it just means as an obedient worshiper of God. I just hear him, and I follow him and obey. He says, if you'll do that, if you'll fear the Lord and serve the Lord in obedience, that worship it, he says, watch God work on you, and watch God start working on your spouse, watch God start working on your house, and watch God fix the nations. It's really, really true, isn't it? Start working on me, God, and to serve the Lord. Everybody say, serve. serve. So just in those passages of Scripture, that passage of Scripture, from verses 14, Joshua 24, 14 to 33. Would you just go through today and circle, I don't know which translation you have, but you'll circle the word serve in there. Everybody say serve. Serve. That means an obedient, it means an obedient worshiper of God. Just be an obedient worshiper of God. Be an obedient worshiper of God. Do you know just in those few verses that the word serve is mentioned 15 times? 15 times, if I would just be an obedient worshiper of God and serve God, guess what I'm going to do? I'll start serving Brenda. I'll serve my kids. No matter how they respond, I will always serve them because I'm serving God. So before we talk about me and my house, we're going to talk about me and my spouse, and we got to talk about me. Amen. But this is what he's wanting, is that the family begins to affect the community, the nation, the church. Everything starts being affected at it. So this is why today I'm going to talk about you and your spouse just for a moment. You need to fear and serve the Lord. Am I doing that in every area of my life? But why is it such a big deal about marriage? Why does it seem like more people are running from it? Why does it seem like there's more attack on it? Why do you feel this disheart, just this disheartened, You know, among young adults where I don't even think I want to get married. I don't see the benefit of it. I don't see the benefit of of covenant. I don't understand that. I don't see it. So today we're going to talk about the power of you and your spouse. So write this down for a moment, would you? First of all, marriage discloses the appearance of God. The world can't see him because the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, is what the word tells us. So what happens is is your marriage actually discloses what God looks like. I don't know if you know this, but look at the person beside you. Now look at the person on the other side of you. Did you know that they bear the very image of God? Did you know that? Every living human being is an image bearer of God. That's why Genesis 1.27 says this, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's very important. So here's what God did. Marriage actually discloses the appearance of God. So God wanted to create a portrait of himself, so he created marriage. God, created, God wanted to create a picture of his mercy, his love, his kindness, his forgiveness, so he created a marriage because the world can't see him. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded their minds. Your marriage actually discloses God to your children, your community, and your family. So, look what Jesus said. How many of you know we can trust the words of Jesus too? Amen? You should trust his word over anything. Matthew 19, verse 4 and 5. Look at this. Jesus is speaking to them. He says, Haven't you read the scriptures? Now, remember the scriptures there? We, we talked about speech therapy, logos, which actually means logic. The word of God that's logical gives understanding. So he says, let me give you something that's logical and look what Jesus does. He refers back to Genesis 1:27. Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother, guys, you gotta leave and cleave, buddy and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into what, everyone? One. We're gonna come back around to that, one. So here's what he's saying, Jesus is saying is that marriage represents the God of heaven to an unbelieving world. In fact, wherever his image is, his glory is. Wherever his image is, his authority is. Wherever his image is, his dominion, it's authority. Are you seeing this? He says, your marriage reflects the glory of God. And it's no, listen, male and female in the image of God, not just a man or a woman, but he says, a husband and a wife, when they come together as one, demonstrate this beautiful power of the gospel and who God is to a world. It is the depiction of it. Now, now, singles, don't check out here and go, well, does that mean I don't show the image of God if I don't have a husband or a wife? Remember, he created a male female in the image of God. You were a bearer of the image of God. How many know Jesus Christ was single? Jesus was single. He was 33 and single. And he said this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You ought to be bearing the image of God by yourself, the way you live, the way you operate, the way you move in Jesus Christ, that they can see the glory of God in your life. But there is a powerful demonstration of the gospel Jesus says that he puts in the marriage. And he says, my image and my glory will be seen. So can I tell you why Satan has attacked your marriage? Why he will never let up attacking your marriage? He will never let up. You're going, I just wish we could have some peace in our home. He will never let up. He will never let up. He will always attack. Do you know the reason why we have such this downturn and people wanting to get married don't see the benefit of covenant in marriage anymore? Do you want to know why Satan is attacking marriage? One reason, because it distorts the image of God to an unbelieving world. Satan's warfare, you think, is just demon-possessed people. No, Satan's warfare is to keep you divided, is to attack your marriage so he can distort the image of God to your children, to your neighbors, to your community. It is the only testimony and witness of the gospel many of them have, and I'll show you in just a moment. This is why he's attacking. Let me ask you something. Did you ever notice something? Why wasn't Satan attacking Adam when he was just hanging out with the orangutans and the hippos and doing the backstroke with dolphins. No, he never showed up. He never attacked. He never tempted him. Why, why didn't he show up then? When it was going great, just hanging out with the giraffes. I mean, it was going great. Why did he he did not attack Adam until Eve showed up? Because he knew that when the two of them became one, not just in that bonds of the institution, if you will, that first covenant, that first marriage between man and wife, but as it became one sexually, they would produce more image bearers of God. And the more that he can destroy the image of, you see, every time Satan gets up and he sees you, don't talk about your wrinkles, don't talk about your hair, don't talk about your weight, talk about I am the image of God. And every time I get up, Satan just begins to turn. That's why he attacks you so much. You bear the image of God. God. That's why all the fighting among people, that's the reason why one race goes after another race. The reason why is because they're image bearers of God. He's got to destroy the image of God. That's the reason why he's doing all that nonsense. This is why Satan's trying to d- divide you. Some saying, pastor, I need help, man. We were married by the justice of the peace, but it looks like we were married by the secretary of war. We got to do something here. I want you to first understand is the reason why Satan is trying to divide your marriage right now, and it's becoming the more little things all the time, is because when he sees your, he didn't show up until the two became one. There is a glory that is coming out of you that is bearing the image of God. Because when they see you, your marriage. It's the appearance of God. Now, how many know there are three in the marriage? You got to understand that there are three in the marriage. It's not two. There's not two. It's you, your spouse, and I know what you're thinking. Yeah, and his mother. That's the third one. It's not, it's not his mother. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the triune God. But listen, there are three of you in the marriage, whether you like it or not. I don't care if you're an atheist, there are three there in the marriage. Three in the marriage. How many know God is triune? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God manifested in three ways, and so is your marriage. So is your marriage. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you wanna learn to love your spouse more, despite all, maybe some of the differences you're going through? How many of you wanna learn to love your spouse more? Good, good, good. I'm gonna help you out here. How many of you would like to learn to love a Republican more? How many would like to learn how to love a Democrat more? Y'all raised your hand a moment ago. Now you're not voting at all, are (laughs) you? No, I'm, I'm dead serious. How many really like to love another race besides yours? Yeah, me too. How many like to love a Michigan fan more <laughs> We're just going to leave the other one alone. That's, the other one doesn't matter though. I mean, love, love, love a Michigan State I'd love to love an Ohio State fan a little more. <laughs> 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 See, I absolutely, this is, these are all connected. These really are all connected. I know we talked in jest, but they're really all connected because there are things that frustrate and anger and want to divide you even in the body of Christ, even in the family of God. How would you like to love a Democrat more, a Republican more, someone that's not your race more, someone that doesn't have your educa- your education or your mental ascent or your mental intellectual capacity more? and not berate them because they just don't think? How'd you like to love them more? If you want to love your spouse more, you've got to understand that it's the appearance of God, the glory of God that you've got to travel toward. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like a triangle. Here we are. It's a triune Godhead. And what it is, you have God at the very top. There he is. And then you and your wonderful spouse But as you start to track toward loving God more, watch this, as you track toward loving God more, you go up, guess what? The distance between you as you go up gets closer, and closer, and closer, and closer, and closer, and closer, and closer. The divide between you becomes closer. Why? Not because you're loving that person more, but you're first loving God more, and as you get in relationship with God, all of a sudden, you start loving people and getting closer to them than you could ever. doesn't mean that you sign off on things you need to talk about. doesn't mean you've got to agree with them, but there's this love and this compassion to serve and love them more because you're getting closer to God. Here's my point. When you love and respect God most, you will love and respect others better. You will. When you love and respect God most, if it's the natural outcome. If your pursuit is really Jesus, If your pursuit is really who he is, if you're really spending that love, that love with him, you're really, you're saying, I'm not reading the word just so I can check off my spiritual box so I don't feel guilty, but I'm really trying to find out what is he saying to me? When I pray, I'm really wanting to talk to him. I really want him to talk back to me. I really want him to impress my heart. Can I tell you what happens? The more that grows, the more you pray in the Holy Spirit, I promise you, you will have a deeper compassion to love and serve because it's coming out of your respect because they are image bearers of God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Yeah, yeah. So I want to tell you that it it depicts the appearance of God. They see God. Your kids see God. They see God more. The nation sees God more. And before we talk about the nation, talk about your house for your house. Talk about your spouse. Talk about me. Love God more and watch the outflow of that. And some of you are going, Pastor, we're really struggling in marriage. Can I, can I just stop here for a moment? Those of you, or even those, some of you that are, that are online, can, can I tell you, we just don't want to bring you words and then not walk with you in words. But if you're, you're saying, Pastor, I don't have the right model i got a damaged, i got a smashed front end, a T-bone side, and I'm trying to, we're trying to put this marriage together, and we don't know what to do. Don't stay in silence and hide in the bushes like Adam and Eve. All right, all right, Don't do it. Make yourself vulnerable. You don't have to have it all together, because none of us do. But I want to encourage you to join up with one of our marriage mentors. We have marriage mentors in this church that will walk with you, grow you, no matter what age, a stage, well, we've been married 36 years and we've been suppressing this. for. You need a marriage mentor. You need someone to walk with you so that the glory of God can be displayed like you've never seen before. Can I tell you, Satan hates it when you have this unconditional love for your spouse like the Father has his unconditional love for you, because every time he sees the two of you together connecting, can I tell you, he sees nothing but the glory of God. He sees the authority of God. He sees the dominion of God. He sees the gospel, the salvation, the cross of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, every time that you connect more as a couple, loving each other because you're loving God. I tell you, you are doing spiritual warfare. I believe in coming against demons. I believe in speaking the blood of Jesus, but I can tell you, can I tell you something? You do more to defeat the devil by just being kind to your spouse. It is warfare when you just say words of affirmation. Been married 36, 40 years, and you say, you know what, baby, I'm going to tell you something. I'd marry you all over again. You're the hottest looking woman that I ever known. You start saying words, honey, I thank you. You say, honey, I thank God that he you. You're not just a good person. Provider, but you love us and love the kids. You keep speaking words. Do you know that is spiritual warfare? So many of us want a trembling hand, want to drive out a demon, but if you would just do simple things like forgive each other, that is spiritual warfare. When he doesn't pick up his underwear, quit chewing him out. Can I tell you, quit talking about how the toilet seat is. That is spiritual warfare when you just put the toilet seat down for him and pick up the underwear without nagging the dude all the time. Now, you can do it to your kids all you want, but don't do it to him. Sir, can I tell you that when you actually put the toilet seat down and you pick up your nasty underwear and say, let me do this, that is spiritual warfare, and the devil hates it because there's not something to divide your family. You think I'm joking around. But if you can just start complimenting your wife, do you know that is spiritual warfare? Do you know that when you hold your wife's hand, that is spiritual warfare? Do you know when you hug your husband, the devil hates it. He just cringes because it's showing the dominion and the authority of God. Do you know when you kiss your wife, when you kiss your wife, do you know that shows the authority of God? When you have sex with your husband, do you know that shows the dominion and the authority of life? So I'm telling you, husbands, wives, have sex, kiss, love each other, hug. You are doing warfare in the heavenly realms. You are doing warfare. Warfare. So many of you think that I gotta have a pastor come pray for us because I think he's got a demon. No, just start being nice. Say accomplice, stop nagging all the time, stop berating her all the time. That is warfare. You think I'm kidding, but when the devil sees you holding hands, he sees you open her door. When he sees you compliment your husband, it is warfare. It punches him right between the eyes and This is the dominion. Doesn't mean that you don't talk about problems. Doesn't mean that you have to go through the process of forgiveness. Doesn't mean you got to take unresolved issues and find some resolution to them. But at some point, you got to start moving and showing the affection and the nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ that restores, that heals, and shows the glory of God. And every time you do that with your spouse, you are beating the devil's brains in. Come on, why don't you beat the devil's brains in, amen? Amen. Glory to God. Come on, brothers and sisters. Come on, you husbands and wives, let's do some warfare. Come on, give your wife a kiss, amen. Let's do some warfare. That's some warfare. You thought it was when we were up here praising, didn't you? You thought it was just when you felt something when the song and the music got high. I'm telling you that when you show that affection and that forgiveness, it starts not only going through you, but it happens to your kids. Your neighbor who thinks you don't like them because you're of a difficult political persuasion starts seeing the way you treat them means that's the way they're going to treat me. That's why the devil hates it kick his brains in, and show the appearance of God in your marriage. Whew, glory to God. I think I need a break. <laughs> marriage doesn't just disclose the appearance of God, but your marriage depicts the adherence to Christ. There's an adherence. When I use the word adherence, there's a bond, there is a glue Boy, oh, I wish I had time to talk about this. This is why, this is why you don't have sex before marriage. God created the sex because it, the the sex sex is a part of the glue. That's when Paul says, even when you sleep with a prostitute, you unite with her. It's it's glue. It's here. It's a stickiness. It's a it's a, an adhesive. It's part of the adhesive. That's why you save the adhesive for when you get married. Okay, save the adhesive for when you get married. But he's talking about this. There, there's there's an adherence. It means. I don't know how I got talking about sex so much and all that stuff but <sighs> young people are not here to enjoy it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it's the unity. It shows the unity and the bond between Jesus Christ and his deep love for his bride, you, the church. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's let's look at uh, Paul mirrors what Jesus said and what Jesus said in Genesis. Look what he says. Ephesians 5.31. Are y'all learning anything this morning? Okay. It says, as the scriptures say, so scripture is the logos, quit going to the logic of your friend who always dumps relationships to tell you what you ought to do with your marriage relationship. Stop. He's not thinking, he is not logical. The word is the logic. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, here it is again, and the two are united into what? One, one. This is a great mystery. So I'm gonna tell you, if you're expecting the world to get it, they're not gonna get it, they're just gonna say, kind of have what you have, mystery. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. I'm telling you, your marriage discloses the appearance of God and the adherence of Christ's love for the bride, you. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And his wife must res- and his wife must respect her husbands. So, if I can just give you the picture here. Now, this is not in your notes, so you can put it in your app and your notes. You can add it to it. The husbands represent Jesus Christ, ma'am. As the wife, you represent the church, us, the bride. Get that again? Husbands, you represent what Jesus Christ was. Wives, you represent the church. This is the, this is the mystery of the gospel. That's why Satan's trying to attack you. You're showing something. You're displaying something. And look what it says. They're not two anymore. They are not two. They are one. See, when an unsafe couple leaves your home or leaves your driveway on one of the summer evenings, they should know there's something different about you and your wife that's different than other marriages they see, even the marriages of the history of their family that they've seen. They must see this unbelievable diversity, but this un- incredible unity. They're walking away going, "How did he ever land a woman like that?" I mean, have you seen him? He's a bubba. I mean, he is a bubba. I mean, is she, she's, she's a beauty queen. How in the world did it? I mean, and she just—do you see how she talks to him? So, wow, she's, I'm telling you, this, she treats him like he's some kind of GQ model or something. Good night. How did you do that? that They should be walking away talking like that. Your neighbor should walk away talking like that because there's something different. See, the world says, see, the world doesn't understand this This is a mystery. Here's what they're going to say. No, you need to be your own, sis. You need to be your own. Buddy, I'll tell you what, I would never let my wife rule me like that. You gotta be your own. See, God, see, you, it's equality. Don't you understand? We're in the era of equality. God has no problem with equality. And if you think he does, you ha- if he, you don't think he doesn't, You haven't been reading the Logos of God, the logic of God. So look what he says through Paul to the Galatians who are struggling with this. Look at what he says and the Jews that are struggling with this. Look what he says through the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. He says, there is neither, are you ready for this? There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all what everybody? We are all what everybody? One. One in Christ Jesus. Jesus championed the individuality of a male and a female, champions it. In fact, when you study Paul, he, he, we'll break it down more later. I don't wanna get into it because it's gonna take too much time. But there's equality with order. There is mutual submission, but with order. So here's what the world says. Well, if someone is the leader, then how can they be equal? Well, you know, your marriage is three, you, your spouse, and God, the relationship. Moving toward him, we move closer toward each other. People see that. How can they have their individuality? Well, how many know that even the Godhead, is the Trinity has order, it's three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Best way to describe it is God is the root, When that root was down and grew, it produced a shoot, that is Jesus Christ, and when it produced the leaves and the fragrance of the the blossoms, that's the Holy Spirit. All connected together, all connected together. And yet, even with the triune God, God the Father, look at that, Son and Holy Spirit, there is order. How many of you ever like to watch Dancing with the Stars? Great, you're not wasting your time then. I appreciate that. Dancing with the stars. I mean, you know, the, the guy, some of the guys, they just, some of the guys, ladies, I mean, they just two left feet look like absolutely, I mean, just, just falling all over themselves, you know. But then you start watching these waltzes and there's this rhythm and this movement, and it flows. And you're going, my word, when he first started this marriage, excuse me, when he first started learning to dance, when she started, she was so clumsy, when she started to get in this relationship, but now all of a sudden there's this rhythm and this flow to the point they're moving so as one, you don't know which one is leading and which one is following. But see, if you don't have the model of the world, you want to go, ha. They invited me to Dancing on Stars. Man, I want to go freestyle. I'm not gonna do that. I want to do the waltz. He wants to do the waltz. I'm gonna do the waltz. I'm I'm going Beyonce, baby. Woo! Beyonce. She's out there waltzing, and you're gonna go. And you're gonna do Beyonce. You look like a dork. You see what I'm talking about here? There is such a flow. When Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen my dad. Because we're moving in such unity, you don't know which one is doing the operating. You don't know which one's leading in the dance. And this is what the world wants to see because right now, one of them's doing the waltz and over there's over there break dancing, about ready to put their hip out. They're too old to be doing that and everybody's looking at you, you look dorky. What's going on here? See, it actually, we're the, we're the servant leaders, like Jesus, the servant leaders. Remember, serve, 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 serving God, serving God, obeying God, worship in obedience to God. Guess what, it's gonna start reflecting in the relationships that are beside you, and the world's gonna see it. So husbands, here's the deal. You're the thermostat in the home, thermostat. But ladies, how many know you're the thermometer? So you got to set the thermostat, brothers. We'll talk more about that. you got to set the thermostat. See, some of you want a smoking summer hot wife, but you keep setting the thermostat to winter weather. Don't do that. Don't do that. So anytime I do that, you know what this means. Don't freestyle. There's unity. Marriage displays the unity of Christ. It's bond to the church. It's unity flowing together and it actually is depicted to show them the gospel. So, so let's, say you're try, let's say you're trying to win someone to Jesus Christ on your job. or, or so let's, let's try to say that. Let's say try, you're trying to win a neighbor to Jesus Christ who's not saved. And so Fred asks you this question, he says, if I give my life to Christ, What's my life going to be like when I follow Jesus? He asks, let's say he asks you a question. How will God deal with me if I follow Jesus? And you say, well, do you see how I treat my wife? That's how God's going to treat you. Oh, so God's going to make fun of me all the time? So God's going to cheat on me? That. So you mean the way you, the way you yell? So, so when an unsaved woman says, I don't know how to pray, watch, watch this, it's, it's what it's doing. If you want to win the world, let's start with me and my spouse. Me first. So let's say, let's say a lady says, I don't know, give my life to Jesus, I don't know how to pray to God, could you teach me how to pray? You say, well, just, just talk to the Father and talk to Jesus the way I talk to, to my husband. Oh. You mean like in the small group when you're always think you're being funny to cut him down in front of us? That's that's the way. I talk to Jesus. So you mean every time I just keep bringing up his his gas and all that stuff? That's 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 what we talk to Jesus. See, I want him to look at you and me and say, you mean the way you honor Brenda is the way God wants to honor me? You mean you, you guys couldn't have, you, I don't think you, Pastor Sam, Pastor Brenda, I bet you guys have never had an argument. Never. <laughs> Once. Once. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, we'll let you know when it's over. (laughs) I'm the spiritual one. She's the funny one. She's feeding me all the lines, everybody. Don't think it's me. She's feeding me all the lines right now. You mean the way that you guys forgive each other and don't let it stew for days? You mean God won't disconnect from me that way either? You mean the way that... You serve each other and will self-sacrifice what you want for the greater good of what really needs to be done. That's the way God will treat me. Exactly. You mean the way that you treat her in front of your kids? That's the way he's going to treat me? Dude, I am in. We're waiting for this big old revival to come, someone to raise the dead, someone to come where, and all of a sudden, I'm not against healings, but we're waiting for all this supernatural, waiting for God's man or God's one of faith and power, and I'm not berating that, but I'm going to tell you, if you want to see the revival of God, let it begin in you, sir. Let it start in you now as a single. Let it start in you as a young man, a young lady. Let it start in you as a husband. Let it start as you and a wife, and watch the revival begin to explode. It may not happen overnight, but little by little, you're going to see the most powerful move of God you have ever seen in the revival will not start in the house, in this house. It's going to start in your house. You say, we need to change the White House. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Maybe it needs to start in me and my house and start with me and God. Let them be so attracted to what we are. They're going to say, what we're doing is not working. We need to start following Jesus like these people are following Jesus. Come on, friends. How me believe it is time. It's telling them what Jesus is like, whether you like it or not. Whew. Okay, I got to bring this thing in for a landing. Lastly, marriage demonstrates the affection of God. Not just the adherence, the bond of the church, even when the church did not respond to him and the bride, listen, while we were sinners, he died for us. but it shows the affection. Let let me just bring this in for a landing. In Malachi, Israel as a nation is a wreck. Malachi, read it, they're a wreck because their faith is a wreck. And as a result, their families, their marriages were a wreck. Their finances were going bad. The nation's finances were going bad. Just just look where we are right now. (laughs) Just, Just watch everything. And here's what he says. Malachi says, do you want to know why this happened? You're asking, why is this this way? Why is this all this division in the nation? Why is it, why is all this what what's this, uh, economic upheaval all the time? What's, what why is this happening to us? And he says, "You ask why Malachi two fourteen, it is because the Lord is acting as a witness between you and the wife of your youth, because you have sometimes the wife of youth you had to remind him the way you loved them when you first started. Sometimes you can be with someone so long." You forget the hugs, you forget the words of affirmation, you forget to open the door, you forget to model it. Because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Everybody say covenant. covenant. Marriage is a covenant, folks, it is not a contract. There's a difference between the two. Covenant, the word covenant means to cut, that means there's sacrifice. Something had to be cut, that's the reason why in Matthew 26, 28, Jesus says, this is my blood of covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It is, it is covenant. So you're not, this is not a contract. This is not a contract. It is a covenant. A covenant is when you say, I give up my rights, I surrender my rights, and assume the responsibilities. A contract says, I protect my rights and I limit my responsibilities. That's what that says. Two different things. So you ever had a contract on your home? You're protecting your rights for a contract on your home when you're selling it. But I've seen people who have sold their homes, made a contract, but no, that hot water heater is about ready to go, baby. And we are not dumping any cash. We ain't saying nothing about this house. Kids, shut up about the water in the basement. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. What, what is, that's a contract because you're limiting your responsibility and just want the rights of your money. That's when you treat your marriage like a contract. You're not doing what I want. You're not doing me what I want. You don't give me emotional support, da, 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 and it may need to be talked about. But your marriage is not a contract. It is a covenant. A covenant says, I give up my rights and take up responsibility. Well, it's just a piece of paper. If it doesn't work, it's just a piece of paper. Just a piece of paper. No, it's not just a piece of paper. (laughs) It's both you and God. It's not just a piece of paper. A dollar bill is a piece of paper, but I don't see you throw it into the trash. I don't see you just throw them away. And you do everything within your you do everything with your responsibility to earn that dollar. Do everything within your power, ma'am, to earn that, to see God make us be fulfilled. Do everything in your power, sir. Everything in your power. Be faithful to it. And if an unbeliever asks you, how do I know God will be faithful to me? Just say, see how I'm faithful to my husband. And you know the issues we walk through. See how I'm faithful to a wife, and you know the things we've gone through. In our life. That's the way God's going to treat you. So here's the deal with the Old Testament covenant. Okay, I'm bringing in for a landing. I'm not going to keep y'all long. The Old Testament covenant was God said, okay, here Israel, here's the deal. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to bless you. Basically, Israel was married to God. Priests would take the animals, sacrifice them, so that they would be in covenant. So Israel said, okay, God, we're in, but what do we have to do? He said, here's your part, here's your part. Here's the Old Testament, be perfect, and do what Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy tells you to do. Okay, that rash you got, that boil, we're gonna deal with that rash and that boil. Go read it. And Israel looks at the rashes and boils and everything he says, and they said, hey, we're in. We get protected, provide blessed, Why did God do this when they knew they couldn't keep it? It wasn't just for morality's sake. What God was doing was he was showing that his holiness, his dominion, his glory, his standard of perfection was so high he wanted to frustrate every human effort to try to make it happen. And he knew they couldn't do it. They haven't even gotten the law yet. Moses is still on Mount Sinai and they're already busted the covenant And it hadn't even started yet. He knew it. He was frustrating them. What he was doing was trying to frustrate us to Jesus Christ. And he exhausted him. We can do that marriage. Exhausting and working and working and working. And God said, here's what I want to show you. There is no way that you can enter my holiness. There is no way that your human efforts can ever get to my glory, my dominion. But God did not want a legalistic relationship contract. He wanted a love relationship. And so he made the new covenant because he was frustrating us to show us we couldn't do it. But he was gonna send himself with skin, his own son to go to love us, protect us, provide for it. They were having to deal with boils and rashes and sacrifices and everything. Now we're saying, well, what's our part? And here's what the father did. Here's what the father did for you and me. He calls him over and says, come here, son, come here. See that guy down there, Grand Rapids First? The guy in the polka dot shirt. Wouldn't have picked that one, but that's the guy. His name's Sam. He's not going to be able to keep the covenant. He's not. He's lost that's your bride and your bride's going to die because there's nothing they can do. The only way we can do this, son, is you got to live the life that Sam could not live because he will never enter my presence. No human effort can get him here. So you're going to have to go and live the life that he can't live wholly without sin because Sam is not going to be able to do this. Oh, by the way, before you take off, it's only by the shedding of blood that makes that covenant and brings him into my presence. So here's the deal. Since you have no sin, you're going to have to die for him. You just can't live the life, you've got to take the suffering for your bride, for Sam. You got taken. That means he can never give you anything back. Will you die for him? And the son says, I'll love him unconditionally. I'll go. You know what your part is in this? Some of you that don't know Jesus, some of you running from Jesus, you know what your part is? There's no way you could have lived the life you're supposed to live There's no way you can die the death to give you enough favor with God to get in. Here's what your part is, Jesus I believe you're the Son of God and you're the only way I have and there's nobody else. Do you believe I am the Son of God and that I love you so much to love you, protect you and bless you and give you eternal life that you'll receive the gift that you could not give me, Sam. Friends. That's what marriage does. It shows the unconditional love of the bride, of the father for the bride. Can you see why Satan's been trying to pulverize your marriage? Can you understand why people don't want it? It's because Satan knows exactly what it's going to do. It's going to point them to the love of the father like nobody's business. How many believe, friends, it's time to tell Satan, That's for me and my house, and me and my spouse we're going to serve and love you God and love each other.